Greetings. In this episode of How We Got Here, we're going to look at the history of the First Amendment. In America, each colony was founded by settlers of different Christian denominations. Virginia was Anglican. Massachusetts was Puritan. New York was Dutch Reformed. Maryland was Catholic. Rhode Island was Baptist. Connecticut and New Hampshire were Congregationalists. Delaware and New Jersey were originally Swedish Lutheran. The Carolinas were Anglican, Pennsylvania was Quaker, and Georgia was simply Protestant. At the time of the Revolution, there were three million people in America. Patricia Bonami, professor emeritus at New York University, wrote in her article, Religious Pluralism in the Middle Colonies, that at the time of the Revolution, quote, the colonists were about 98% Protestant, unquote. British statesman Edmund Burke addressed Parliament in a second speech on the conciliation with America, March 22, 1775. All Protestantism is a sort of dissent, but the religion most prevalent in our northern colonies is a refinement on the principle of resistance. It is the dissidence of dissent and the Protestantism of the Protestant religion. At the time of the revolution, only 1%, 30,000, were Catholic. Catholics were only allowed in three colonies, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New York. Only 3,000 out of the 3 million, or one-tenth of 1%, were Jewish. There were only seven synagogues in the entire nation at the time of the revolution. One in New York City, Newport, Rhode Island, Savannah, Georgia, Philadelphia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Charleston, South Carolina, and Richmond. When America became independent, the 13 states wrote their own state constitutions. Nine of those state constitutions required all office holders to be Protestant Christian, such as North Carolina, 1776, in its first state constitution. It said that no person who shall deny the being of God or the truth of the Protestant religion or the divine authority of either the Old or New Testament shall be capable of holding any office within this state. Or New Jersey, 1776's constitution. All persons professing a belief in the faith of any Protestant sect who shall demean themselves peacefully under the government shall be capable of being elected. Three state constitutions were a little more generous, and they only required officeholders to be Christian. Delaware, 1776 Constitution, every person appointed to any office shall subscribe. I profess faith in God the Father, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and the Holy Ghost, one God blessed forevermore. Or Maryland, 1776 Constitution, which stated, no other test ought to be required on admission to any office then such oath of support and fidelity to this state and a declaration of belief in the Christian religion. Or Pennsylvania's 1776 Constitution, signed by Ben Franklin, said each member, before he takes his seat, shall subscribe, I do believe in one God, the creator and governor of the universe, the rewarder of the good, the punisher of the wicked, and I do acknowledge the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. When the U.S. Constitution was being written in 1787, the great concern was that one Christian denomination, or a combination of two, Episcopal and Congregational, 
would be chosen as the official established national denomination, which is what every other country in the world had done. So England was Anglican. Northern Germany and Sweden were Lutheran. Scotland was Presbyterian. Holland was Dutch Reformed. Greece was Greek Orthodox. Russia was Russian Orthodox. Serbia was Serbian Orthodox. Romania was Romanian Orthodox. Switzerland was Calvinist. And Italy, Spain, France, Austria, Poland, and others stayed Catholic. The First Amendment was intended to prevent the federal government from establishing one Christian denomination in preference to the others. The Ten Amendments in the Bill of Rights were understood to be limitations or handcuffs on the federal government's power. The preamble of the Bill of Rights explains the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution express a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. George Mason, referred to as the father of the Bill of Rights, wrote a proposal for the wording of the First Amendment. This is recorded in Kate Mason Rowland's book, The Life of George Mason, 1892. He said that the new constitution of government recommended by the late federal convention ought to be ratified when the following declaration of rights and amendments shall be adopted. That religion, or the duty we owe our creator and the manner of discharging it, can be directed only by reason and conviction, not by force or violence. And therefore, all men have an equal, natural, and unalienable right to the free exercise of religion, according to the dictates of conscience, and that no particular religious sect or society of Christians ought to be favored or established by law in preference to others. One of the proposed wordings for the First Amendment suggested in the Senate on September 3, 1789, was Congress shall make no law establishing any particular denomination of religion in preference to another, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, nor shall the rights of conscience be infringed. Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story, who was nominated by James Madison, who was the one who introduced the First Amendment, Joseph Story wrote in a familiar exposition of the Constitution of the United States, 1840, the real object of the First Amendment was not to countenance, much less advance, Mohammedism or Judaism or infidelity by prostrating Christianity, but to exclude all rivalry among Christian sects. At North Carolina's ratifying convention, July 30th, 1788, Governor Samuel Johnston defended the proposed federal constitution, saying, the people of Massachusetts and Connecticut are mostly Presbyterians. In Rhode Island, the tenets of the Baptists, I believe, prevail. In New York, they are divided very much. The most numerous are the Episcopalians and the Baptists. In New Jersey, they are as much divided as we are. In Pennsylvania, if any sect prevails more than others, it is that of the Quakers. In Maryland, the Episcopalians are most numerous, though there are other sects. In Virginia, there are many sects. North Carolina Governor Samuel Johnston concluded, I hope, therefore, that 
gentlemen will see that there is no cause of fear that any one religion shall be exclusively established. Joseph Story explained further in his Commentaries on the Constitution of the United States, 1833. In some states, Episcopalians constitute the predominant sect. In others, Presbyterians. In others, Congregationalists. In others, Quakers. The whole power over the subject of religion is left exclusively to the state governments to be acted on ac upon according to their own sense of justice and the state constitutions. Bouvier's Law Dictionary in 1889 gave the definition of religion. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. By establishment of religion is meant the setting up of state church or at least conferring upon one church of special favors which are denied to others. The Christian religion is, of course, recognized by the government, yet the preservation of religious liberty is left to the states. This provision and that relating to religious tests are limitations upon the power of the federal Congress only. Supreme Court Justice Warren Earl Berger stated in Marsh v. Chambers in 1982, the men who wrote the First Amendment in the Religious Clause did not view paid legislative chaplains and opening prayers as a violation of that amendment. It can hardly be thought that in the same week the members of the first Congress voted to appoint and pay a chaplain for each house and also voted to approve the draft of the First Amendment that they intended to forbid what they had just declared acceptable. Congress approved the First Amendment September 25, 1789. That very same week, Congress requested President George Washington declare the new nation's first National Day of Prayer. President Washington declared October 3rd, 1789, whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully by to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these United States to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and peculiarly the national one now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty which, with which we are blessed and also that we may beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions to enable us to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue. Given under my hand, the 3rd of October in the year of our Lord, 1,789 George Washington. 
President Ronald Reagan said, February 25th, 1984, sometimes I can't help but feel the First Amendment is being turned on its head. Reagan told the Alabama legislature, March 15th, 1982, to those who cite the First Amendment as the reason for excluding God from more and more of our institutions and everyday life, may I just say, the First Amendment to the Constitution was not written to protect the people of this country from religious values. It was written to protect religious values from government tyranny. I hope you have found this episode of How We Got Here interesting. God bless you.